Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Um, I, I've had this message stirring on my heart, and I think that it kind of, like a Swiss army knife, maybe has, has multiple uh, uses or maybe affects people in, in different ways. And, and the first one is this. I, I really feel like, without putting too much emphasis on this particular sermon, I really feel like this is a, a prelude to what God will do in our church over the next number of months. Uh, Pastors Gil and Debbie, along with a number of people on our team, including myself, we just have a sense that God is doing something fresh in our church right now, that God is doing a new thing. And to all of the, uh, the skeptics, and all the haters, it's like no one has haters, Brandon. What are you talking about? But to people that would go, ah, like you're always saying that. Well, that's, that's kind of true because we're just committed to being people of faith. And we believe that our words are a big deal. And so you, you got to get your words like out in front of yourself. Uh, the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue that we are to be uh, thermostats, not thermometers, that we set the tone, we set the temperature of our life with our words. And so that's partially true that we do often say God's doing something new, God's doing something fresh, because it's the truth. Romans 8, 28 says God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Someone said amen. I think it's a song lyric, but even when, when, when I can't feel it, even when I don't see it, I think that's a lyric, right? Uh, Spencer Spencer said, yeah, that's a lyric. Uh, God is doing something. God is moving. But in, in a more specific way, we, we have been drawn back to, over the last probably month or so, uh, a, a document, or really it's a prophetic word that you may or may not uh, have ever read or um, been aware of, and it's simply the lecture that I see. Uh, the lecture that I see is a prophetic word that uh, was given to Pastors Gil and Debbie from the Lord uh, 17, 18 years ago, something like that, be, before they even moved uh, f- from Southern California to the Carolinas to pastor this church. And, and really, it's just, it's a vision of this is the church that God is going to build. This is the lakeshore that I see. This is the church. This is the body that God is going to build. And for whatever reason, the, the, the Lord has begun to, to freshly bring that to the hearts and freshly bring that to the minds of not just our pastors and leaders, but people in our church who are, are praying and who, who are leaning in. And we really sense that as we come into the, the new year, that uh, God is going to lead us and God's going to help us to really begin to, uh, for, forgive my Bible reference, but to like Joshua did, to, to take the land. You know, the Bible says that the children of Israel, there was a promised land that God had given them, and yet for 40 years they did not see even an inch of it, and then Joshua led them in. We just have this sense that, God, you're leading us in to at least another portion, if you will, of this this promised land, this thing that you've given us. And the the, the reason that I feel like this is a a prelude is because here's the reality. The the only way that happens is, is that we're all in this together. I, I want to read to you, it's not true, I'm not going to read it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote it to the best of my ability, um, but, 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 but I want to I refer to a part of the lakeshore that I see that simply says this, the lakeshore that I see is made up of regular, down-to-earth, ordinary people who happily leverage their time, talent, and treasure, even to the point of forfeiting personal ambition, trusting and knowing that God will make up the difference. That, that's actually not super specific to our church because that's Bible, 
That's, that's Acts chapter two. That's like the whole point purpose of the local church is that we are the called out ones gathered together to say, God, my whole life, my, my reasonable service, according to Romans 12, 1, is, is to give myself to something that's larger than myself. You've given me time, talent, treasure. You've gifted me stuff to steward. And now I, I leverage that to say, how, how do I help build your church and reach people? Because while we are sitting here today and we get to sing songs and we get to be encouraged, how many of you know that we are surrounded by thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are desperate? for the love and the life of Jesus. They are desperate for something we have been gifted by grace. There's nothing special about this church necessarily, but it is the church that God's called me to. And it is the church that God's called us to. And so collectively, we, we bring ourselves together and say, God, how, how do we arm in arm see what you've promised and what you've called us to do come to pass? And I, I really think t- today could, could kind of be a catalyst for that because what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about re-engaging from the heart. Now, just put you at ease, there's no big conclusion to this sermon. Uh, I kind of wish there was because at the end of first service, I'm like, wow, there wasn't any big conclusion. That kind of would have been fitting, but there's not. There's no big like, and all of that to say, we are asking you to fill in the blank. It's just, I'm, I'm gonna preach, and then wherever this lands in your heart, that's between you and the Lord, and you need to respond between you and the Lord. But, but I wanna talk about today re-engaging and re-stirring up. What, what is it God's called you to do? Now, I said it's a Swiss Army knife because here's the reality. There are people who are here today that you're thinking, cool, can I go get coffee because this maybe isn't the church that I've officially like feel called to, or I'm not really sure if, if I'm about that. Well, that's okay. Here, here's how I maybe apply it to you is just ask the question, are you fully leaning in right now to what God has called purpose and plan you, you to do? Dot, dot, dot. Because here's the reality. We can be physically doing something and our heart is not there. Isn't that the truth? There, there have been moments Seasons where physically I'm standing on a platform with a microphone and I'm preaching, I'm leading, but my heart isn't fully engaged or pursuing. It's a heart thing. Someone just say it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. So wherever you are today, I want to stir us up to to ask the question, am I fully leaning in to do all that God's called me to? Because here's, here's the reality. When you and I fully lean in to whatever it is that God's called us to do, that's when this, this beautiful mosaic, this beautiful picture comes together that should be the body of Christ. It's, it's not everyone saying, all right, well, then we, we all got to do the same thing. No, no, no. It's you fully leaning into who God's called you to be and what God's called you to do that collectively makes up the community that God is desiring to see here in, in our church and in local churches everywhere. So that being said, John chapter 21 I, I will warn you, we are reading a little bit of scripture today. Uh, so if you haven't got your Bible reading in, like the classic preacher joke, good news because we're going to do all of it right now. Uh, but that's kind of true. We're going to read 19 verses, which I felt like seemed like not a lot. And then I started reading it this morning and I'm like, this is kind of a lot. And so uh, for, forgive me for all the scripture, but I think it's important that we really get uh, the full picture in this passage of what's happening. Uh, John chapter 21, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. If you don't have that version, it's not a big deal, uh, but it'll be on the screen so you can follow along. Starting in verse one, here's what it says. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. 
And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, well, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught absolutely nothing. And when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered, like every grumpy fisherman that has caught nothing, no. And he said to them, well, cast the nut on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Can I just pause and acknowledge, I love the Apostle John because he talks in third person about himself. Like we all have that friend that talks in third person about themselves. And you're like, you do know that you're talking about yourself right now. John says, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus had loved, aka himself, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they'd come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples asked him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time, in important key, it's the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. We're coming to a close. Verse 15. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do, do you love me more than these? Said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Said to him, then feed my lambs. Said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Said to him, then tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he'd said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said again, then feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he'd spoken this, he said to him, follow me. If you're taking notes, if you're a note taker and you'd like a title for this sermon, the title of the sermon I want to preach this morning is a sermon simply titled this, When the Dust Settles. When the Dust Settles. Uh, that, that'll make sense momentarily. Uh, but, but before we, we go any further, let me pray. And let me ask that God really would take, take these moments and he, he would speak to us. Be, because here, here's the reality. We, we've said this often, but everything's about posture of heart. Everything's about posture of heart. This is why you've heard me say before, you can be in a church service and one pe person is weeping, receiving from God and the other person's like, do you think Red Bull will honor an online bulletin for the free drink? Or it, it's because it's posture of heart. And so I wanna pray and ask that God would help us to posture our heart accordingly to receive today something that he has. Because I really do believe wherever you might find yourself that God actually has something. Here's what I love about God. God knows what you need before you even do. 
God, he searches the depths of our hearts and our soul, and he knows the areas that we need encouragement. He knows the areas we need correction. He knows where we just need to get ministered to before we're even aware of it. And God, every time we open the Bible, whether we're here on a Sunday or we're having coffee or tea, reading the Bible at home, God wants to meet those needs and minister to us where we are. So let's pray. God, we thank you today that you really are the God who supernaturally can, can meet us where we are. Well, I do not know where every person in this room is, uh, not just in the season or situation of life, but j- just even in their thinking this morning. Uh, maybe people are having a great day. Maybe they had to tell their kids 17,000 times the same thing on the way here and uh, have never been more thankful for kids' ministry in their life um, and are just feeling a little bit distracted, a little bit, little bit on edge. God, whatever it might be, we ask today that you would settle our hearts you open our eyes and our ears to, to see, to hear, to receive from you, and that we leave here today with whatever it is you want to give us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. In sixth grade, uh, I was homeschooled. Now, this will tell you how, how well it went. I was homeschooled for one year and one year only. Enough said. And uh, when, when, I was, when I was homeschooled in sixth grade, my uh, my philosophy, I don't know if this actually was appropriate or not, but my philosophy was I want to get up as early as I possibly can in the morning and get all of my work done because then I can do whatever I want. Was that true? No, it wasn't true. But in my mind, it was like, I can do whatever I want. Just get up, get all my work done, and the whole day is mine. And in sixth grade, I had three things that, that I like to do. Um, all of them were in our driveway. Uh, I like to play basketball. You have no idea how many game winners that I hit in my driveway playing for the Los Angeles Lakers in sixth grade. Uh, I won so many titles. I am in the Hall of Fame of my mind for sure. Uh, I like to play hockey. I'll never forget this house we were in. Uh, We didn't own it. It was kind of a rental. And uh, my dad came out one day and he was so mad. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm perfecting my slap shot. What are you talking about? I just didn't think about the fact that I was putting a million dents in this garage door, taking slap shots into the garage door. Um, I didn't, didn't think about that, but I, I love to play hockey and I love to skateboard in the driveway. We didn't live in the neighborhood. It was kind, kind of a main road. And uh, w- one day I was skateboarding. I fell. My skateboard goes into the middle of the road and um, I looked both ways. I, I specifically remember making eye contact and getting acknowledgement from drivers on both sides. They see me. They see the skateboard. We are good to go. And so I, I walk out and um, I have three very distinct memories. No, number one is this. I, I remember bending over and looking up and seeing a blue station wagon coming faster than, than I could, 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 could even comprehend. Um, to, to the best of my knowledge and my neighbor's knowledge who, who was out there, uh, this lady, she did not realize why traffic had stopped. And so she decided to go around traffic and just be on her way. And I remember bending over and I remember seeing the station wagon. Secondly, I remember getting hit by this car. And when I say I got hit, I mean, I got hit. I got hit. Like I remember both my shoes were, were firmly planted right where I was standing. It knocked me out of both of my shoes. I don't know how high I flew, but I really wish like cell phones were as big of a deal as they are now. Um, one, because we probably could have got some money. Uh, secondly, because I would have had footage. I felt like I was a million miles in the air. And I, I remember the sensation. I was talking to someone after first service and they said, has something happened to me similar? And they said, I know what you're talking about because I remember the sensation. I remember the sensation of feeling like I was in a washer or a dryer on spin cycle. 
I don't know how high I went, but I remember just feeling like I was doing a million flips and somersaults on the air. And then thirdly, I remember rolling to the curb, kind of coming to, if you will, and sitting on the curb, um, this lady, I pray that she did repent and that God got a hold of her heart. Uh, she did not stop. Uh, I remember kind of she, she slowed down. And, and, and I remember, I mean, I'm in shock probably, giving her two thumbs up. <laughs> like, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm good. I, I, I don't know why. I just, and she, she, she took off. And I remember sitting there and I remember very distinctly having two thoughts consecutively. The first one was, I'm alive. Someone asked me first service, like, you didn't conclude the story. Were you okay? Yeah, I, I was okay. Um, God protected me 100%. I had uh, no injuries except for a big bruise on my, my left side, but didn't go to the hospital, didn't have any injuries. God totally protected me. But I remember feeling like, hey, I'm okay. I'm here. I'm alive. And, and I remember almost immediately having the secondary thought, and it was this, but am I going to be Okay. I remember thinking, am, am I going to die? Like, I've watched enough ER to know. Sometimes you think you're okay, but you're not okay. Am, I'm okay, but, but am, I, am I going to be okay? I'm, I'm, I'm only 33 years old, but I've lived long enough to know that sometimes, metaphorically speaking, life can kind of feel like this. We, we live in a fallen, broken world that has been infected and impacted by sin. P Peter writes this, don't be surprised when you fall into various trials. In other words, heads up, trial and tribulation will come. Heads up, just because you said yes to Jesus doesn't mean that from now on, everything will be rainbow, sunshine, cotton candy, and birthday cake. That's not the reality. P Peter goes, why are you surprised that you have fallen into various trials and, and I know sometimes in life, seasons, circumstance, things that maybe we had nothing to do with, but it's just life. Maybe, maybe we did. Maybe it's our own decisions. Maybe we've made decisions and determinations that like Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man. And we thought we were moving the right way, but the end road is death and destruction. Maybe we've been impacted by other people's decisions. I'll never, never, never forget my, my dad telling me sometime in middle school, high school years, and I'm like, who cares it's my life. And I remember him going, it, it is your life, but your decisions impact and affect everybody connected to your life. And boy, isn't that the reality? That maybe it wasn't our decision, but we've been impacted by the decisions and determination of, of people around us. And I've, I've lived long enough to know that sometimes life can kind of feel like that moment when I was knocked out of my shoes and we can feel like I am, I'm spinning right now. And and how many of you know we can have moments where the dust begins to settle and, 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 and we, have, we have the thought, I'm, I'm okay. Thank God we made it. Thank God that that season is behind us. Thank God that we made it. But how many of you know the thoughts begin to creep in very much like they did in my sixth grade mind, but, but am I going to be okay? Why is it when, when, when seasons of life, circumstance, situation, maybe decisions we have or have not made, why is it that we start wondering if the equation has changed? Is, is God still the same God that he was pre-fill in the blank? The, the, the dreams, the hopes, the ambitions, the things that I had in my heart, the things that I felt like God said, and I know that I know that I know this is what God says, is, is that still like a reality? 
is, is that actually still, still going to happen? Insert John chapter 21, because whether you have realized it or not, this is where Peter finds himself. Now, in case you're not familiar with Peter, let me just give you like a quick Bible lesson. Uh, Peter is one of the 12. The Bible says Jesus chose 12 men that he might be with them and that he might equip them for, for, for ministry. Peter wasn't just one of the 12, though. Peter was one of the three. Jesus had 12, but then he had three that he, he, he brought in closer and he uh, invested in more, if you will. And not only was Peter one of the 12 and one of the three, but Peter was the one. That Matthew chapter 16, we, we read Jesus is going, hey, who, who do men say that I am? All the disciples are like, ah, some say a really good prophet. Some say a good teacher. Um, some say just the guy with great hair and a great beard. We're not really all the way. And Peter stands up and goes, no, 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 no. I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Peter is the one that Jesus looks at and Jesus says, on that I'm going to build my church. Peter, I'm going to use you and you're going to be, a, you're going to be instrumental in the building of my church. P P Peter was under the impression that what they were doing for three years, that they were going to physically, literally take over the world with Jesus at the helm and him by his side. And in one night, in one night, all of that dissipates and disappears. Isn't it funny how, how life in a moment can change? in a phone call can change, in one conversation can be completely different, in one interaction set, set you in a tailspin and all of a sudden you're wondering is, it, am, I, am, I, am I still gonna be okay? And in one night, Jesus is arrested. Peter following closely to see what would happen using strong language and all of his passion denies that he, he ever even knew the man. Denied Jesus three times. What, what I think is so interesting, I forget which gospel it's in, but I, I often wonder what that moment felt like. The shame, the guilt, the condemnation that Peter felt because one of the gospels says that Peter, when he denied Jesus the third time, he, he looked and he literally physically caught eyes with Jesus. He was following closely to see what would happen and I don't know if this is how, how, how it happened, but in my mind, he he denies him and Jesus turns and the Bible says that they actually physically literally caught eyes. And Peter in one night, the guy that was one of the 12, one of the three, but the one, his whole world is crashing down. And we, we know that what, what didn't fix it was just having Jesus raised from the dead because the Bible says that Peter, that he had... He, he'd now been witness to Jesus' resurrection two times. John 21 tells us that this is the third time. It's the third time, which, which tells me and encourages me that I'm not the only one, that although I know that God is a reality, can often question his reality in my life. It encourages me because like Peter, maybe I'm not the only one who can acknowledge and know that no, God is and God will and God does. And yet in my heart, go back to fishing. Because John, John 21, why I felt like the whole thing was significant is because how this whole story starts is Peter goes back to fishing. I, I, I don't know what your fishing is, but, but I think fishing could be used for a lot of different things when we just feel like I, I just need to go back to what I know. 
I need to go back to what's comfortable. I need to go back to what's convenient. I, I need to go back to that relationship, that mindset, that be, because we're seeking comfort. We're seeking something we can hold on to that we know. And the Bible says that Jesus comes and he finds Peter. Yes, he found more than just Peter, but for whatever reason, the gospel of John seems to, to highlight for us the importance and the significance of Jesus being there specifically for Peter. If, if I had a thesis for, for this sermon, it would be this, that despite what life may or may not throw at you, despite seasons and circumstance that may be difficult and hard and painful and leave you spinning, despite decisions you have made that have left you and others hurting and in pain, despite what others have done that have affected you, God remains un changed. And what I see in John 21 is three things that I'm, I'm hoping encourages you that remains unchanged. Number one, you can write this down. It's simply this, that God's love remains unchanged. John 15, I'm sorry, 21 verse 12 through 13. It says, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Makes me think of Revelation chapter three, verse 20, which won't be on the screen, but but Revelation 3.20, where, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That, that's for, for some of you, that's the sensation that you felt this morning in our time of worship. It's, it's the, the knocking you have felt early in the morning as you're just waking up and, and, and things are still quiet. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who will hear and answer, I will come in and, and dine with them. What, what is Jesus conveying? He's conveying his desire for relationship. Romans 5, 1 through 2, you can put that in your pocket. It says that by faith we have been declared right with God and are now at peace with him. That what Jesus has done, his finished work has once and for all forever paid the price for all of our sin. So today, no matter where you sit and no matter where life finds you, you have peace with God. Notice Jesus was not at the shore. I'll, I'll finish reading this. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of his disciples dared ask him, who are you knowing that it was the Lord? Verse 13, so Jesus came and he served them. Sometimes we get so busy trying to serve God that we forget that God first desires to serve us. That God first desires to serve and minister and heal and meet us where we are. It says that Jesus came and he prepared breakfast and he served his disciples. What that tells me is that, that God's love is, 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 is unchanging that God's love ha has not changed. Notice that Jesus is not sitting at breakfast or waiting by the shore. Like, all right, Peter, is anything you want to talk about? Anything you'd like to uh, get right with me? You know, I saw you. Remember we caught eyes? Like it's, that's not, this is not the tone. The tone is one of invitation back into relationship. The Bible says this in Jeremiah chapter 31, Verse three, it says, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. 
Bible says, Romans 2, 4, or do, you, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Have you marginalized and forgotten and made little and made light of the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? We, we had someone that was such a blessing and uh, was so generous and gave such a large amount to, to help kids go to camp. After first service, I said, hey, by the way, thank you so much. That was such a huge blessing, what you did to make sure that kids could go to camp. And they got big tears in their eyes and they said, it's, how could we not? And they just started listing all the the things that God has done for them. I wonder sometimes if, if, if we have marginalized and genericized, if that's even a word, the riches of God's goodness and forbearance and long-suffering. That's why we can sit in a time of worship. Be like, cool, good vibes in here today. Cool, good, I, good. Like the way that kid's playing the drums. Good, Isaiah DeBanco, he, that's what I'm talking about. And, and our heart isn't moved to with everything we have sing praise and honor because we've marginalized and made generic the goodness and forbearance and long suffering. Forgetting or not knowing that it's the goodness of God. It's not the rules. It's not the religion. It's not the heavy handedness. It's not the condemnation or the guilt or the reminder of where you've missed it, that it is the goodness of our God that leads us back to him. Romans chapter eight says, says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In other words, it's what, it's what Peter's saying. We face trial and tribulation because we put our faith in Jesus. And yet, in all things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you persuaded? Do, do, do you live with a conviction in your gut I, I, I don't care what I've been through. I, I don't care what, what comes my way. I, I don't care what I have or have not done. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Please do not forget, friends, that God has always been the initiator. The Bible says this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. You, 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 you initiated nothing. Let, let us think more, more humbly about ourselves, Because maybe I'm the only one, but I'll, I'll just admit publicly on a platform with a microphone that sometimes I can live with the mentality, yeah, God, I know you love me because look at all the great things I'm doing. I mean, I'm a pastor, come on. No, no, no. We have to think more humbly about ourselves and say, no, God loves me because God loves me. God loves me because I am his son, his daughter. 
Psalm 139, God thinks about me more times in a day than the grains of sand on the earth. Jeremiah 29, 11, his thoughts are always good thoughts of a hope and a future. You cannot shake the love of God. I don't know who, who I'm, I'm preaching to, but I felt assigned this morning. Like, I felt like it was an assignment from God to stand up here and remind someone you are loved by God. God sees you, God knows you, and it does not matter where you have or have not been, you cannot shake the unchanging love of God. The Bible says, God, he, he so loved us that he's proven, he's demonstrated it. And can I tell you what else is unchanging? It, it is the purpose and the plan of God. You can write this down, just my second thought today, it's that God's purpose and God's plan remains unchanged. John, John 21, allow me to read to you verses 15 through, through 17. Uh, I, I goofed on my notes, and so verse 17 may not be up there, but here, here's what it says. So then they'd eaten breakfast, and Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Pause real quick. Jesus does not ask questions because he needs answers. We, we do know that, right? We're, we're, we're never informing him about anything. We, we are so funny and silly informing God about our great purpose and plan. No, 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 no. It, it, it does not work like that. Jesus asks questions to provoke something in you and I. When, when Jesus is asking questions, he's asking them not for answers. He's asking them to provoke us to revelation that we need. So Jesus comes and he says, Peter, do, do you love me more than these? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, he says to him, then, then feed my lambs. He said to him again, verse 16, a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, ten, ten my sheep. Verse 17 he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You know what Jesus is doing here? We, we, we can change the questioning and we can, we can phrase it like this. What Jesus is provoking within Peter is, Peter, are you still that guy? P Peter, are, are you, you still that guy? You, are you still that guy that stood up and said, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Are you still that guy that's got that boldness to just stand up and use your big mouth for the glory of God? P Peter, are you still that guy that sat at that table and oh, you, you, you were so cute thinking you, you could do it in your, in your own power and in your own ability. That's a sermon for another day. But are you still that guy that sat there and went, I'll die for you. We got swords. Get the swords, man. I will literally die for you. And, and, and then you denied him three times in front of middle school girls. They are intimidating, but come on, Peter. He, what he's saying is, are, are you, you saw that guy, Peter? And what Jesus is doing is he's provoking in Peter a revelation that nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. What, what, what I'd like to, to point out is that the, the conversation is not this. Peter, you were plan A, but we're going with plan B now. 
Peter, you were plan A and um, you like the book of Acts was gonna be so full of the rad stuff that you did for me. Um, but uh, we're, we're going with option B now. That, that's not the tone because God's purpose and God's plan remains unchanged. What, what is God's purpose? God's purpose it is the reconciliation and the redemption of all humanity. Like you, you wanna know what God's into? God's into people. We, we, we think God's into all the, the, the religious acts of service that we maybe give our, God is into people. Luke 19.10 says this, for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? What still is lost? People. People who, if Jesus came back in this very hour, would forever be separated from him in an eternal place of damnation called hell. Jesus is into people. That's why the Bible says that God, he lingers, he, he, he waits patiently, not desiring that any should perish. First Timothy 2, 4, Paul says, you wanna know, know what the will of God is? He, he desires all men. Someone say all. Where have we got this thinking that, that God's still not interested in all? Where have we got this apathetic thinking? Ah, it's not a big deal. You know, people are people. People are going to do with it. No. Where, have, where have we lost this fire in our gut that says, no, God's interested in all. God's interested in every single person, whoever was, whoever will breathe on this planet, knowing the unending, unchanging love of God that brings salvation to humanity. He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God's purpose is people. What is, who is or what is God's plan? God's plan is you and I. Can I read this to you? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18, listen to this. It says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, listen, and has given us, who's given us, not who has given pastors and leaders and teachers everywhere. No, who has given us, you and I, the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Jesus didn't come to bring judgment, condemnation. Jesus didn't come to to tell people how bad they are. No, we all live with an awareness of our shortcomings. And, and, and there are those who, who, who we medicate with various things so we don't have to feel that and acknowledge that, but we're all well aware of our faults and failures. Jesus did not come to make us more aware. He came to lead us and draw us back to a loving father who draws us to himself and cleanses us of our sin and, and completely redeems our life so that we are new creations reconciled the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And again, here, here's those words, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are. Someone say, we are. We are. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What is the apostle Paul saying? Oh, God's purpose is people. But let us not mistake God's plan as you and I. 
Can, can I encourage you this morning? You're still God's, God's option A. You are still option A. I felt an assignment this morning to encourage someone who you feel like you've been counted out. You feel like life has maybe taken you out of the game. You, you feel like circumstance and situation that maybe has caused hurt and pain and bitterness and frustration. You feel like you've been taken out. Can I tell you, you're still option A. God desires to use your life in a significant way. His purpose and his plan, it remains unchanged. And lastly, you can write this down, that God's gifts and his calling remain unchanged. The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, are irrevocable. Did you know this morning that you've been handed a gift? Did you know this morning that every single person sitting here, whether you've even acknowledged Jesus as Lord, you've been handed a gift. You, you, have, you have gifting and grace for something. I, I, don't know, I don't know what that is, but every single one of us, today we are sitting here and we are holding gifts. The Bible says that when Jesus led captivity captive, he gave gifts, he gave grace to all. Even those who have not even acknowledged Jesus as Lord, you are holding today a gift and grace from God. Do you know that we're, we're actually responsible and accountable for that? It's kind of a daunting thought if you ask me because I wrestle with that a lot going, Lord, I'm gonna stand before you today. How did I, how did I steward the gift and the grace that, you, that you've put on my life. Be, because the gift and the grace that has been placed in each one of our hands, it is not merely so that we can make enough money to build the Americanized version of life that we think is gonna bring us the fulfillment we're looking for. It's not, that's not why, there's, there's nothing wrong with any of that, but that's not why you were handed gifts and grace. We weren't handed gifts and grace to make more money. You were not given gift and grace so that you can make a name for yourself. You were not given gift and grace for any other reason but to steward it and to use it to build his church and reach people. It's the only reason. We are the body of Christ. My, my son, he's three years old. His favorite body part right now is the belly button. You might be the belly button, but you're part of the body. And, and the body is only fully functioning when all of us are using and stewarding the gift and grace we've been handed by God. Can I tell you that the calling is irrevocable? There's a call on your life for something. I don't know what it is, but there is a calling that is on your life. The Bible says, Psalm 139, verse something, something, I can't remember off the top of my head. Jeremiah chapter one, verse one through four, both of them, they, they kind of interchange that before you were even conceived in your mother's womb, God knew you. And he intentionally placed you when and where he placed you. And he placed, the Bible says in Jeremiah, it's this word ordained, but we can just say it this way. He put a calling on you. We, we live in a culture that is running in circles looking for fulfillment. Can I tell you where fulfillment's actually found? It is found in fulfilling the 
calling that God has placed on your life, using the gifts and the grace he's given you to do what he's, what he's called you to do. And man, do, do, do we wrestle with this? Be, because very much like Peter, we, we let life take us out of the game, don't we? Am I the only one who's ever wondered if I'm still called by God? I'm the only one who's ever wrestled with those thoughts. Going, God, I know what I wrote in a journal when I was 18. But am I still called? This is a personal conviction I have. And I don't put this on anyone who, who, who has the privilege and honor of being a, a preacher and a teacher of God's word. But I, I just have this personal conviction between me and the Lord that I, I, I don't, I don't want to preach any sermons that haven't first impacted and, and are currently or have transformed this guy's life. Can, can I tell you where, where, where this sermon really comes from? It comes from like three or four weeks ago, waking up on a Wednesday, just kind of the, the dust settling, wondering, how did I get here? And, and by the way, there's levels of that, right? So we always think like, oh, big, crazy sin. It's just, it's the little stuff. Like you ever, if you ever just wondered like, how, when did I start thinking like that? You ever woke up and, and just wondered when, when did I start? When did that become permissible? When, hold, hold on, when did my, when did my passions and desires get here? And I, I woke up on a Wednesday and I just felt in, in, in my gut like, man, the, the dust is kind of settling. And as it settles, I'm just wondering if things have changed. God, I don't, I don't, I don't feel as close to you as I did yesteryear. God, I don't, I know your purpose still remains, but am I still plan A? You still really want to use me like that? God, I know I still have gifting, but God, am I, is there still the same call? The Holy Spirit leads me back to John 21 to remind me as the dust settles, God remains unchanged. You're still loved by God. God's purpose and plan, it still remains. The gift and the calling of God, it is unchanging. Someone asked me recently, Brandon, if you weren't a pastor, what would you do? I said, easy. I'd be a professional golfer on the PGA Tour in my wildest dreams because that would never happen. But, but I said, that's kind of fictitious because here, here's just what I know. If I'm not doing what I'm doing, I know I couldn't sleep at night. If I've had people ask me, Brandon, how, how long do you think Jenny, you and Jenny will be, like, be a part of Lakeshore? I don't know, but I just know that if I wasn't here and if I'm not doing what I'm doing, I couldn't go to bed and sleep good at night because I can't shake the call of God. You can't shake God's call. You remember Jonah? Jonah literally plunged himself into the ocean hoping to die to escape God's call. And God sent a whale to swallow that guy up spit him back on the shore and go, all right, for the third time, you ready to go to Nineveh? Why? Because you can't shake God's call. You can't shake his, his gift. We don't see this in John 21, but you know where we see this? We see this in Acts chapter two. 
I, I want to read th- th- three, three verses kind of consecutively, and then I, I promise you we'll, we'll come to a close and we'll be done. But Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 14, then 32 and 33, and then 38, kind of as one sentence. It says this, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. This Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out that this which you now see and hear. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the same Peter in John 21. This is the same Peter. Why? Because the gift, the calling, and just like he stood up with his big mouth to glorify God in Matthew chapter 16. I know who you are. You're the Christ. The He's the same guy over here that's been drawn back, that's turned back, that's been freshly full of the Spirit of God, that in the same way stands up and says, you want to know who this is? As the world is watching, God uses him to birth the church as we we know it, as we read through the book of Acts. So what do do I do? Give you just three three quick, just practical to-dos. Repent, seek God again, be freshly full of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's my big conclusion. But it's, but it's the first step, isn't it? I'm telling you, that, that Wednesday night, I, I texted some friends of ours who were so gracious. So, oh, come on, we, we know your heart. But I'm like, hey, I just need to repent because, like, I just haven't been, been talking, acting the way that I know Jesus wants me to as a pastor and a leader in his church. I just repent. Repentance is just turning, by the way. Repentance is not, oh, God, it, it's just going 180. But I, I repent of this way of thinking. I repent, God, of this, this mentality. I, whatever, you just, you just turn. This is what Peter did because Jesus says in John 21, 19, follow me, and we know that he did because he's there in Acts chapter 1. Just, I'm, I'm going to repent. I'm going to begin to to seek God again with all my heart, and I'm going to be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. I, again, d- different sermon for, for a different day, but what's the difference between Peter when he denies Jesus three times and Peter in Acts chapter 2, fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. It's fresh filling of the Spirit of God. That, that's the difference. In his own power, he can't do it. But freshly full of the Spirit of God, he stands up and he, he begins to fulfill and do all that God has called and created. Can I ask you this morning, are you fully engaged in your, in your heart from the core of your being saying, God, I don't, I don't know what it all looks like, but I just want to be the person you want me to be. I want to do, I want to fulfill, I want to be a part of whatever it is you're calling me to, because I just have a sense oh, over this last year and a half, two years, as we have wrestled at, as a church and in our culture 
with everything that has happened from global pandemics to racial and political divide and, and what that has caused in, in so many hearts. I just feel like the dust is settling. And I just have this sense as the dust settles that we need to be reminded. We need to be stirred up. Hey, come on. God, God loves you. God's call, his gift, his purpose, and it remains unchanged. So let us repent. Let us give God our whole heart again. And let us call out to say, Holy Spirit, freshly fill me so that I can engage and do what it is you're asking me to do. Can, can I pray for you this morning as I invite the prayer and altar teams to come? And can, can I pray for you? And, and, and then we're going to close with just a song. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? God, today I ask that whoever and wherever this sermon is landing, that Holy Spirit, you would cause it to explode into reality. We don't need information. Information has not served us well. We need revelation. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give revelation to each one whose heart is postured leaning forward of the unfailing, unending, never changing love of God. Would you give fresh revelation again today that, oh God, we're called by you. We've been given gift and grace that is unchanging. Your purpose and your plan remains. And I pray that you would cause us to, to lean in once again, to repent in whatever area that we, we know we need to repent and to freshly give ourselves to seek you before the Spirit of God. So together, as one body, we can do what you've called us to do. We can reach hurting, lost, broken people and, and represent you well to the world you've called us to. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we close? again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.